Good evening and welcome to Tee It Up Talk, real relevant and applicable conversations about today's hot topics and more. And we're back at it again, the Bowtie Chronicles, hanging out with my man, Baron Chandler. And uh, this is going to be a pretty cool, interesting uh, conversation because we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the election, politics in general, and kind of where we move from here. So I'm excited to kick this off, man. And we'll just let you open this, open us up, man. Give us your thoughts. Let's let's go with uh, the election. Where we are, your thoughts on it, and um, see where we go. All right, man. So let's uh, let's first state state the date and the time. I mean, where we are currently is go we, ahead. <laughs> Thursday, November fifth at nine eleven at night, um, and. As it currently stands right now, I, I, I think everybody is still sitting on five states uh, yep. and waiting to see what's going to happen in those five states. And um, I, I know today the, there, were, there were reports that we might hear about Nevada, we might hear about um, Georgia or, or um, Pennsylvania, um, and, and I think late in the day uh, it came out, I think the Pennsylvania leadership came out and said that that's, that's not going to happen today, it's still going to take a little while. Um, I read it someplace that, ne that Nevada gave an update, but I couldn't find the update. It, it, so it, it just, it was just kind of the ticker. Um, and then Georgia, I guess, has gotten so close. Um, and I, I think there's still votes that are, that are waiting to come in. I know at one point there was a big holdup in Fulton County. Um, and I don't know if that's resolved itself. Now it's more rural votes that they're trying to bring in. And then, of course, you have Arizona, which um, everybody called really early for, um, for Joe Biden. And there's a lot of chatter out there that says, you know, pump the brakes on this. This is not going to go Joe Biden's direction. Uh, there's a lot of rural, more red communities that have yet to be counted. Um, and so there, there's just a big, uh, there's a big what if out there right now. I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm sitting on pins and needles, um, but but I'm kind of sitting on pins and needles too because it's just. You want to know, I want to know where, where we're going to go and, and what's going to happen from here. Gotcha. No, I, and I'm with you. I mean, you just stated the facts as I know them as well. I mean, I think I, what I found interesting is that you're right, AP, even Fox, everybody called uh, Arizona for um, Joe Biden, but CNN didn't. And I, I look back and, you know, I'm looking at the tally, you know, everybody else has it like, what, 264 or something like that. Then. Uh, yeah. Which which is you know with Arizona two fourteen yeah and but CNN still has it like two fifty three and they're like no we can't call it yet the the when you look at the demographics when you look at what's what should be coming in based on what we see is a strong possibility that uh, Trump could still pull this one out so you know we we're not going to call it yet I thought that was very interesting that they had taken a look at it from that standpoint that's very unusual. Um, but it makes sense, though, that, 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 you know, they would take a step back and, and move there, uh, move that way. And, and I agree, man. It's, uh, supposedly, I think we may get an update uh, from Nevada at 10 p.m. Eastern time, supposedly. I know they keep talking about doing uh, something maybe once once a day. Uh, I think the thought behind it is, yeah, we, we are counting these votes. So we could dump them and give you guys an update, but let's just, let us keep counting because if we stop, this it's a reset. And it's going to slow the countdown even more. So let us keep counting. We'll, we'll dump whatever it is we do uh, the data in, you know, once a day, which is about, I think, seven something their time or 
which mm-hmm. I guess equates for about 10 p.m. our time. But the problem is, it seems like supposedly they're counting all these votes, but you know, it, it ticks up maybe a, a half a point or you don't even see the, the numbers go up in the total total tally there. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, all I do know it is a very different and um, uh, unusual style of uh, voting that took place on, on Tuesday. Um, um, I think I was somewhat prepared for it, uh, believe it or not, only because um, following both parties, I, I know quite a few people um, uh, in the Democratic Party and those who um, hold certain positions within the party. And um, even leading up to this, they kept saying, look, there are a lot of Democrats in these major cities are mailing in votes. Um, you know, we know the president wasn't a fan of it. He, you know, he kind of let us know and not even play politics with it. That was just his thoughts on it. Um, but, you know, the individuals were nervous about coronavirus. Um, uh, you know, they, they played up the fact that you could mail in your vote or vote early. Um, and, and I know plenty of people, particularly elderly and those who feel like they have some um, immunocompromising things that you know, they just really stayed in. So what they did was they definitely voted via mail. I think the challenge is, is how these things are counted. It is, you would think they could be counted as they come in or up front, but it looks like they wait, hold them based on, the, I guess it's based on the state. Let me step back because each state does it yeah. different. Um, yeah. and, then, and then they count and there are certain ways they count and certain ways that they bring them in. So I think... It's weird that I think part of the problem or the challenge, particularly out there, and you let me know what you think is that there's no consistent way that these things are done. Um, right. So it's, there's no consistency of, you know, state by state, it, everybody kind of does their own thing. So, you know, it, it, I, I think on one hand, you feel uncomfortable because there's no consistency, but I, I would challenge that on the other hand, it may be good that you don't have one federal way to do it because then I think it could really get compromised because if someone wanted to tamper with it, if there's one way that we all do it, it's easier, it's easy to understand the one way and find your way in to tamper with it versus each state doing it differently. And you having to find, you know, 50 different ways versus uh, the one way. But but I, I, I can feel the uneasiness in knowing that there's no one way that these things happen. And you have to take whoever's in power, whoever's in office in those areas that, you know, face value and trust that they're going to do the right thing and they're not doing something that they shouldn't be doing. But what's yeah, your thoughts you, on that? You, you know, you're right. And, and, and there's, there's, there's probably three, three pieces of this that, that we'll start with. Um, first off, from a conservative standpoint or from, from more of a Republican standpoint, if you will, that is the party of less government, small government, federal government doesn't need, doesn't need to be involved in what we're doing on a state level on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so you, you could argue that, you know, yeah, you're right. I, I'd much rather the state control how, how we're going to handle our, our votes and our elections um, because I don't really trust um, that there are people that represent other states that are sitting up in D.C. that are really ultimately looking out for the best interests of what's going on in North Carolina or South Carolina or, you know, the state's close to where we are. Um, but at the same time, you're voting in a lot of cases a federal election. And, and, and so 
Uh, you could also argue this this needs to be consistent across the board on how we're going to do this. We're, we're voting for the president of the United States, um, uh, not necessarily you know if senator and con Congress are are, um, are federal federal positions, but they're still state appointed positions. But we're voting for the the, the position that is supposedly going to represent all of us in the entire country. Yeah, yeah, you can argue that it needs to be consistent. Um, but again, I don't I, I don't trust that, that everybody's got our best interest at heart. Um, you mentioned uh, you're going to trust that, that at least at the state level, they're going to do the right thing and they're going to look out for everyone's best interest. And, and I'm just not convinced that that's really what's happening. And I, I see this um, I, I, in thinking about this over the past 48 hours, what to me this really looks like is, is the, the classic quest for power. Um, where one party or, or both parties for that matter, they're, they're seeking power. And, and, and the, the desire for power, in my opinion, is, is kind of the root of evil. Uh, and there's a desire, I think, when you, when you get that power, you don't want to lose it. And you're willing to do whatever you have to to try and keep that power. Um, and maybe this is a little more philosophical along those lines. Um, but, but it just makes me, um, I don't know, it, it makes me really real apprehensive. And, and, and the faith I have in the process, I really question the process. Um, and, and that's not necessarily always going to be a knock at the candidate, because um, the candidate maybe isn't really involved. But you look at the, the Democrat Party or the Republican Party and what those folks are doing behind the scenes. Um, and and I, I maybe I'm going off on a tangent here, but let me let me go here real quick. No, no, no go ahead. Stop me if you want, want to, but um, you, you hear about Wisconsin, for example, and, and some of the stuff I've seen today is that there's, there's more votes cast in Wisconsin than there are population in Wisconsin. Um, I've also seen uh, a couple references towards Michigan where there's a batch of people that voted in Michigan and they all have the birthday of 1-1-1900. Um, and then I also saw um, something shared where an individual voted in the election this year, but the records show that individual died in 1984. Um, and so it, it's, I can appreciate from, from a Republican side, uh, you know, I think President Trump made the comment um, yesterday at one point, he said, everything was looking good and trending in our direction. Um, and then they, they hit the pause button on Tuesday night. And, um, and then the next morning, all of a sudden, there's a lot of additional votes that have, that have come in and that have shown up, and all of them seem to favor Joe Biden for president. Um, and, you know, you can, to me, a lot of that sounds like conspiracy theory or just trying to spin something. I mean, really, what it could be is just the fact that these are mail-in ballots that have just come in, and they've been received, and now it's time to, to vote. I'm sorry, now it's time to count them. I think in North Carolina, even, they said the reason we, we hit the pause button on Tuesday night was because we didn't have anything left to count right. we and everything we had to count. And so the next morning it's okay. We can start counting again because we have a, you know, a new batch of mail-in ballots that have come in and things that have come in it's time to count. So, you know, I'm not there. I'm not, I'm not in the middle of it. So I don't know what's happening, but, but how you think about what you hear and you think about what you see and you're, you're here on both sides. Um, it really makes you question the legitimacy of the process and um, or, or the, the, the the honesty of the process maybe um, it just makes me worry that that are we all potentially being punked here um, in, in some in some way shape or form regardless of who wins and, and I mean it it makes me wonder if, if if greed has taken over the process 
Gotcha. Gotcha. No, no, I totally, totally hear what you're saying and where you're coming from. And I, I'll be honest with you. I think some of those things happen in every election. I, I you know, mm-hmm. I, I remember uh, Bush Gore um, um, and, you know, the mysterious way Florida flipped and everybody was like, well, how all of a sudden, you know, it, Florida was for Gore and then, you know, way in the wee hours, all of a sudden we wake up and now it's red. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, and then we heard those, some of the same things of, uh, you know, the, this person voted, shouldn't have, been, shouldn't have voted, or this person, uh, you know, he, this person must have voted for his mom, his mom died, you know, two years ago, but she was still on the books. So how does she, how does she vote or those things? So, uh, I think those things happen. I'm not. I don't. I wouldn't even discount the fact that some of those things happen. I just don't know if it's at a level that's going to really um, change the outcome. Possibly yeah, because exactly. because we're at a point where it could come down to one vote. But you know, right. it, 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 so <laughs> there is a possibility that it it, it could do that. But um, I think the challenge. I think my frustration has been um, less watch, less be vigilant. Let's get the votes counted. Let's make note of all these irregularities or things that aren't uh, up to par, so to speak, or that we feel across the board that that aren't going well. Utilize the um, the the legal and judicial system the way you can and the way it's set up for. Um, And let's just take a step back and, and, and let it play out. Um, and see and see what happened. But uh, and like I said, I, I knew even when um, you know the tallies were coming in, we were watching, and, and you know my dad and I had talked, and he was saying, "Look, people, Democrats didn't vote the day of election. Democrats either voted early or they mailed in ballots, and that was because that's what they were directed to do. That's what if they were staunch Democrats." Um, they were encouraged to vote early or if they didn't feel comfortable because that's the group that uh, in most cases don't re- didn't really feel comfortable in going out that, you know, they follow all the three W's and, you know, all that stuff. Um, so that's, you know, that's who they are. So they was like, look, I'm not going out. I don't want to take a chance. I'm going to take this ballot and I'm mailing it in. Um, yeah. Say so it's, it's legally we can do it. In North Carolina, they've extended deadlines. So, you know, as long as it was postmarked by what the second or the whatever, the, uh, by Tuesday, um, it, it can still count as early, um, as late as what, the 12th uh, or something like that of the month. Right. Um, but it, you know, it just has to be postmarked uh, by, uh, you know, the election day. Um, so, you, you know, I knew there would be uh, votes counted. I think the, ch- the frustration is, uh, Maybe we should have some of these news outlets across the board should have backed away from how we were popping out these polls and these predictions and, and really just talk about, hey, there are a lot more votes coming in. There are a lot of people, you know, doing this. If we just look at election day uh, votes, this is where we are. You know, it looks like uh, Trump is going to win, blah, uh, blah, but it, let's remember that this is a, a pandemic. It's unprecedented. People didn't go vote on uh, election day per se. They either voted early or they mailed in if based on, you know, if you're a Democrat or Republican. And then I'll tell you what was interesting is how these votes were counted, the early votes. So some states count the, count the early votes after 
um, you know, the, the day of vote. So you were getting those and all of a sudden you're getting what well, now there's the early votes. And then some states counted the early votes. They basically, by the time their poll closed, they already had those, the early votes, the people who voted early or the people who got their um, mail-in vote in earlier, um, which is interesting. Once again, it goes back to, you know, every state kind of does it different. Um, I, I guess the thought is this continues to divide us mm -hmm. across the board. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican, Democrat or whatever, it's the divide continues to happen. And we talked about it before that, you know, um, the polarization is sexy. Uh, it sells. They make tons of money off of it. Um, so, you know, things will escalate across the board on both sides because you look at those ads, those advertisers know that viewership is up. We, you know, those networks can charge all this money um, for those ads and, you know, and, and those, uh, those groups get, make a lot of money off of it. In the mean, meanwhile, the average Joe like us, um, uh, we're sitting back frustrated, uh, on pins and needles, trying to understand what in the world's going on, you know, why are we seeing this, why are we hearing that? Um, and then you have a whole nother group that's huge, and I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, you know, if, if that's what they like to do, that's what they do, this is yeah, America, right. we can do that. But then you have that other group, you have them, you know, doing what they do, um, and so it's just, you know, a lot happening and nobody really coming together. And that's kind of where I wanted to kind of go. And we can go back to some other other areas too, but, you know, no matter who wins, what, whatever the outcome is, uh, you know, whatever the outcome, at the end of the day, we're going to have a president, whether it's right. Donald Trump gets an additional four years or whether, you know, Joe Biden um, uh, becomes president. But uh, uh, as a nation, how do we move forward with whoever's in office in office? What's your thoughts on that one, man? Yeah, it's a good point. And, and uh, you know, right, at the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference to what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, whether Donald Trump's president or whether Joe Biden's president. I mean, I, I'm fortunate in that I don't depend on the government for much of anything. And those guys are not going to call me up and wish me a happy birthday. They're not going to and sit at my Thanksgiving table with me. Um, if I need a shoulder to lean on, it's sure as hell not going to be their shoulder. Um, and, uh, you know, they're not going to be the one I'm going to call, I guess is the best way to put it. I shouldn't, I don't mean that meanly towards them, but, but those guys do not dictate how I go about my day-to-day -day life and how I live my life. And um, what I think has been so troubling is that the polarization of this maybe, I don't even want to say the past four years because I think it started well before that. It probably started in the, in, in the um, George W. Bush administration where I think that, that really people started to take sides in a, in a um, I don't want to say a meaningful way because I don't really think it's meaningful, but I think they took sides in more of a, um, uh, an aggressive way where they really started to, to create this animosity towards the other side. Um, mm -hmm stayed that way through President Obama and has stayed that way certainly through Trump. Um, and what's really challenging to me, I think is regardless of the outcome of who wins this race first, I wanna say this first and then, then I'll, I'll add something else to it, but no matter who wins this race, I can't help but think that, that we're all ultimately gonna lose something no matter what. Um, we, I feel like along the way, we, we've lost compassion. We've lost 
being honest with each other. We've lost being caring neighbors. Um, you, if you find somebody who has a has a sign in your front in their front yard that is not the person you support, then then all of a sudden we're in this mentality that it's okay to go pick that sign up and, and rip it out of their yard and go, you know, throw it down out in the street for cars to run over and, and the people that are with you cheer you on and encourage you to do that. And and um, it, it's really frustrating for me to see that to see it because again, I think it doesn't matter who wins. Um, and, I, and I will say this, I appreciated yesterday that, that Joe Biden came out, he made a comment about that he is going to be an American president, a president for all people. And what we have to do is really unify and come together. And, and once this election is over, um, he is going to work really hard to try and, and be a unifier and try to get us all back together. And, and, and I very, very much appreciate that sentiment. Um, but at the same time, I should never need a politician to tell me how to do things. And, and I think the minute we start depending on politicians to tell us how we ought to act and how we ought to behave, then I feel like the, the whole concept of democracy is, is turned itself upside down. Um, I think I think as, as just citizens and as uh, neighbors and as friends and as family, politics should be the last thing that we ever worry about. I mean, they're there and they do their thing and, and, and we count on them to provide the basic services that we all need. Um, and some people need more of the services than the others. And I, and I get that. Um, but what, what, what I think is really challenging is that, is that I feel like we've gotten so caught up in animosity and, and being angry about who's in office versus who's not that, that we forget to be compassionate. I, I hear you. Um, you know, we, uh, I, in this, show with that faith forward with grace mercy and love and we just we you're right that is truly what's lacking which is why i ended that way in hopes that someone would hear that and and you know just kind of move it forward um, um this polarization just to go back to it you know i hate to to keep going back to it but it, it has been um kind of this evil this um within the nation, it is definitely almost like, you know, uh, as, as my church folk would say, it is almost like those evil spirits, man. It's, it's just like it's out there um, looming and seeking to find who they can destroy uh, in, in any way, shape or form. Um, but we have to define a way to rise above it um, yeah. and, uh, and, and understand that, look, um, no matter who's in office, we have to understand how to navigate, operate, and, and hold those people accountable in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, at the end of the day, the president does set the tone for the nation, I would agree, but to me, all politics is local. So, yeah. um, you know, when we're talking about affordable housing and some of those things, to me, that, that's gonna be at the, the local, city, county, and state level. Now, I think those that, that group has to push the federal level in yeah. some way, shape, or form to, to help free up some funds, but- Yeah, right. Um, they they know, have to advocate for the, their local yeah. community. Yeah, but you know, at the end of the day, that's where we have to find it. Um, uh, i tell you what's gonna be interesting is um, we're, we're gonna have a uh, Democratic um, governor mm -hmm. and a, uh, a Republican Lieutenant governor so that's going to be um, that's going to be pretty interesting. Um, and then 
um, I guess they're still deciding this, the Tom Tillis race uh, for Senate. Yeah. But I, I think it's pretty much they feel confident that it's pretty much going to be Tom. But, yeah. but they're following the process kind of the same way from the federal level um, and counting the votes. But, yeah, I don't see that switching at all. But, um, yeah, to have that lieutenant governor be Republican and then the, uh, you know, the governor be a Democrat should be uh, should be pretty interesting. We'll see if they can if they can somehow <laughs> um, work together because they're, they're they're on they're definitely polar opposites. That's yeah. for sure. But what and what's your thoughts about North Carolina is known for this. We will um, go from the Senate and the presidential way Republican, but we <laughs> we will vote in a Democratic governor or vice versa because you got to remember, you know, part of the time that Obama was in, I think Pat McCrory may have been governor, which was Republican, mm. maybe on the tail end of it or something like that. Bev yeah. Perdue was there at first. Bev Perdue was I want to say he was a one-term time. governor. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's, that's pretty interesting um, that we do it that way. I, I, how do you think that plays out? Well, so, you know, North Carolina has always been really interesting politically to me. Um, there is what I've long heard of as the Eastern North Carolina Democrat faction or Democrat group out there. And, and I've always heard that they essentially dictate the politics in the state of North Carolina. And Beverly Perdue came out of that. Jim Hunt came out of that. Mike Easley came out of that. And Roy Cooper has as well. They've all come from that Eastern North Carolina Democrat branch. Um, and I've always heard it referred to as, as, again, is that they control the state and, and they pull all the strings in the state. And, um, you know, you, you can you can dig into that as deep as you want to. But uh, and then, you know, then it, you get locally and these, these more rural areas and eastern North Carolina is rural. Don't get me wrong. But, um, um, you know, that's that's notorious for for being a, a big uh, pig farming is huge in eastern North Carolina. You know, so it's very rural. Um, and, and I would, but you know, you think about that. That Jesse Helms reigned supreme over the state for years, mm-hmm. years and years, and he was untouchable. Um, yep. And so, but but you traditionally had Democrat governors in the state. You had Republican senators, such as as, as again the very polarizing Jesse Helms, a very controversial figure nationwide. Um, and then you have the Mecklenburg County aspect of it, where. Um, Traditionally, the rest of the state does not do a very good job of, of, or does not have a desire to support a candidate for governor, I would say, for Mecklenburg County. And so I was really surprised when Pat McCrory got a um, governor because that just doesn't happen. We, um, I think in the past we've had, uh, I think it was, um, I think it was Jim Martin ran for uh, when he ran and became governor and had a great run as governor. Um, he I think had two homes in the state and one state was outside of Mecklenburg County, which he used that. I think and I've always heard this. Like, I mean, you know, don't, as I sit here and say it and it's recorded and I realize it's out there for the world to hear, don't quote me on this. Um, <laughs> I've always heard that he more of a Mecklenburg County resident, but he had an outside residency elsewhere within the state. And he declared that as his primary residency especially when he was running for office because he did not want the rest of the state to think he was a Mecklenburg County product. Now, the other thing is Dan Forrest um, is he's Sue Myrick's uh, son. Gotcha. And yeah, so, um, right. And, and you, have you noticed, I mean, she was, she was a longtime political figure in the state and, and really served North Carolina um, 
I mean, she's she's old school. I mean, she's to me a very fair and balanced leader. I mean, yeah, she was Republican and she was more on the conservative side, but but I would say she sort of fit in that old school mentality where she didn't necessarily toe the line, but she she did the right thing for the state. Um, and, I, and I thought she was really successful as mayor of Charlotte for years as well. Um, but if you notice, there's no talk about the relationship with with him and Sue Myrick throughout this whole governor run. And, and I, I'd never looked into why or why that was said, maybe, but again, maybe that goes by the fact that he doesn't want necessarily to be associated with being probably a, a raised Mecklenburg County resident because his mom was mayor here for so many years. Gotcha. Yeah, that's interesting. That, that's, a, hey, that's a little known fact that I just, I definitely didn't know. And in my mind, that would have helped. Yeah, um, I agree. Because yeah, you, I mean, you know, there are people across, you know, party lines that, um, appreciated Sue Meyer and yeah. and it may have you know brought they were like huh let's you know maybe we should consider this but uh, that's interesting um, yeah uh, definitely but yeah I agree. I've heard that too and if you take a step back um, particularly at the gubernatorial and state uh, level um, seems as if it was everyone does come out of the east that that is for sure um definitely i remember when i went to college in the state you know it was it, you got kind of picked on when you started meeting everybody at college if you were from mecklenburg county and, and so i told everybody where i was from and i immediately got pegged with the charlotte attitude or and so i mean i get it from a political standpoint i, I mean i i got it as a college student i get why from a political standpoint there's there's a there's a there's a an opinion there i guess if you will Right, right. Well, and then, you know, Charlatans, we, we have opinions about them as well. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I, I will admit, I've, I've referred to us as the 51st state many a time. Right. <laughs> I know what you mean, man, for sure. Just to, hey, totally, totally different. And if, if speaking of states, um, what about uh, South Carolina that, you know, the, um, what was it, that, that tough Senate race for Lindsey Graham? Um, yeah, Jamie Harrison. And Jamie Lindsay Harrison. Graham. He he ran a you know he he ran a great campaign. Um, it, it he was, did. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your thoughts you know, on it? Because I, I know you're you're a, you're a South Carolinian at heart too. Go King. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's interesting. It's, it, first off, you got to look at how much money was spent by Jamie Harrison, mm-hmm. or in that campaign. He I think he spent more money than any other. Um, Senate race, I think, I think ever in the history of, of politics um, to try and flip that seat. And obviously he, you know, he got a lot of support and, and, and there's a lot of Democrat candidates in, in South Carolina that always get a lot of support. And, and my, my family, I've, I've, not all my family, but, but a good bit of my family in South Carolina are, are politically active and um, we're very, very supportive of Jamie Harrison. And I know we're incredibly disappointed when he did not win. Um, but I also, um, South Carolina is just, I mean, it, to me, it's, it's just a red state. I mean, and, and that'll change a little bit. Um, Charleston is turning very blue, in my opinion. It's yep. very, that's a very liberal area of the state. Um, you just feel it when you're down there and when you're interacting with people, you feel it. Um, and it almost, almost has that, uh, you know, downtown Charleston is, is almost has that um, um, Upper East Side or um, what do you call it? Uh, North End up in Boston. Yep. Very, very affluent families, um, very prominent families, but they also um, very much, in my opinion, sway towards more of the Democrat mentality of, of leadership and politics and, and, and servantship. 
Um, Columbia is kind of turning that way a little bit. I think, I think in, in, in my experience, Columbia is still very conservative, but um, I think Columbia as a whole uh, went more blue, I think, this yeah. time. Yeah, um, I, when I looked at the numbers, you're right. I, I saw Columbia, um, the, uh, the Charleston area. Um, it was one other area. Um, I can't remember. It was one other area. What, what I thought was interesting is that... Um, Georgetown County or down where Georgetown yeah, is. Yeah, uh, that, that area. What I found uh, interesting is that the suburbs of Charlotte, York County, was still yeah. red. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, um, that makes sense to me. It certainly makes sense to me. Um, I was looking at the, the map for Charlotte in general and mm-hmm. very dark blue uh, center city. And then mm-hmm. it gradually, you know, it gets more pastel as you get further south. Um, certainly when you get out east towards um, towards Monroe and those areas, oh, yeah. you, as you would expect it. Um, in my opinion, York County is still very rural. It's still very, um, it's still very much a way of, you know, leave us alone. Don't, we don't need you coming in telling us how to do anything. And I, and I fully believe that that is, that is a lot of ways. That's, that's the Republican mentality is I don't need government in here. I don't need anybody coming in here telling me how to do things. I don't need government programs. Just leave me alone. I got this. I don't, I don't need any of this. And, um, and so I, I think there's a lot of that as well. Um, it, you know, the, the urban populations are always, are always so key. I mean, there, it's, it's, when you look at the map of the country in general, it's, they say you can walk from one coast to the other on red, red state or on, mm-hmm. on, on you can't walk from one coast to the other on blue. Yep. Um, now back to South Carolina, um, you look at Greenville and Spartanburg, which are, you know, huge growing growth. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of businesses coming in there. I, I would have expected to see those turn a little bit more blue, but they were pretty hard red. All the yep, they were, Carolina, which was surprising. Yep. Definitely. And then when I flipped back to North Carolina, I saw that, um, uh, out towards Wilmington, most that Cumberland County, mm-hmm. that was um, that was blue. That that was you know the last the last time the last election twenty sixteen, it was uh, red for sure. So to see that turn blue was pretty interesting. And then um, uh, Iredell County didn't wasn't blue, but they but Joe Biden picked up like five percentage points, which was yeah. interesting in in Iredell County. But I know it's a lot of transient individuals in, in Idaho County and this becoming a suburb of Charlotte. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, particularly in the Mooresville area. Now, the further you go, you know, Statesville on up, Harmony and those areas in, in Idaho County, or as you call it, States Vegas. You know, that is going to be red and it's going to be red for a while, but they're actually in some of those areas, some of those farmers are old school Dems. They just kind of turn. They are. Um, so, cause yeah. I, mm, go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, the, hit the on this real quick. You remember the old Dixiecrat term? Yep. 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 So I, I think a lot of those old school rural Democrats are a lot of them to me, remind me when you start talking to them and you start hearing what they have to say and their opinions on politics, they almost check a lot of those old Dixiecrat boxes. Gotcha. Um, it's just that that I'll never. But, but also, remember, Republican Party was an incredibly northern party. The Democrat Party was the party, yep. and so there's a lot of that. I'll never vote for a Republican because they're Yankees, and right, right. These old school guys are not going to change their ways on that. And, and and but but when you when you sit down and talk to them, they're 
their opinions and how they view things and the way they should be done are, are very opposite of the Democrat. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> it's, I, I'm not, I'm not going to touch, you know, party yep. you know, because those are the Yankees. Yep. Yeah. I, I didn't think about it that way, but you're right. Cause they're definitely in that area, particularly, like I said, those old school farmers, a lot of, uh, them still there. I, I was shocked. I, I actually, I remember it was, I think it was late nineties. I was in, um, in school and uh, went up for a campaign, an old teacher of mine was like, look, we got a campaign going on for, I forget who was running, somebody's running for governor. And I was like, okay, cool, what with me? I thought he was in Charlotte or, you know, Raleigh. He was like, no, we're gonna uh, meet up here off of Bell Farm Road in um, Statesville. I'm thinking, what in the world? But we, we went out, it was an old, you know, we went out to a, a farm and um, out there they had a little setup and whoever the gubernatorial candidate came in, it was a dem. They all came in. Um, he did his speech, uh, his stump speech, everybody cheered and it, they were all from that area, which was pretty interesting um, to see it play out that way. But, um, and, but you know, that's, that's North Carolina and South Carolina kind of politics uh, in general. But now I, I, I will throw this out there. I, I didn't, I thought Jamie Harrison had a, a good chance to win. I thought it would be, close and it was close and he did spend a lot of money um i thought it interesting that there could have possibly been two african-american senators from one yeah. state um and that would have been the first that. time that would have been the first time yeah. in history one republican and one democrat because of tim scott there um yeah and i thought that would have been interesting just to see because you have people you know you have two individuals that in most cases people would say come from very similar backgrounds but I have two totally different philosophies. So I would have wanted to see uh, uh, how they could have worked together and possibly that possibly could have been a positive in finding ways to bridge the gap between the two parties. Cause I, I just had this feeling that they would have found some way to, to do something together uh, to cross the, yeah. cross the aisle a little bit there. Yeah, you know, um, you and I've talked about this before, the African community, African-American community, excuse me, the African-American community really does a good job of looking out for each other. And, and I, you and I were talking about um, individual progress, individual growth or individual opportunities. And we were, if, I, if I recall the conversation correctly, you, you said to me, I, if I have success and, and, and I have a really good friend or someone that, that I grew up with who maybe doesn't have the same opportunities that I have, um, or maybe didn't make the same decisions that I have. I don't want to leave that person behind. Yeah. And, and 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 I'll be honest with you. And and I'm, I think from a from a white community standpoint, we we don't think like that. Um, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not saying that that I'm about leaving people behind or or I don't care about other folks within the community. But but I think a lot of the mentality in the white community is. Um, hey, I, I busted my tail. This is this is about me. I don't. I don't. You know. I don't feel obligated to, to pull you along with me if you're not willing to, if you weren't willing to work as hard as I worked or um, you weren't willing to take advantage of the opportunities I was able to take advantage of. And, and so it, it's, it, I'm, I'm, I'm using this to segue into what you're saying, but, but I remember you telling me that, that at least within the African American community, you guys do a really good job of trying to not leave anybody behind. You're like Marines, you know, mm -hmm. uh, behind. Um, and so, you've got Jamie Harrison and you've got Tim Scott there that are, that are on in different parties, but 
the opportunity that present that potentially that they could have working together as two senators from the same state that can work, especially with an African American community within South Carolina to really um, help that community where they need help, bring that community um, in the things that, that they want to be brought into, but also unite that community. Um, there's really an amazing opportunity that it could have been there. Um, and that, that would have been really fun to see over, over the, the term of, of, of them serving because we really haven't seen that yet, you know? Mm. And that would, have been, that would have been really just to sit back and be an observer and watch and see the potential positive impact they could have on the community doing that way. Yeah, and, and, and I thought it would just been beautiful that it was from the South. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, just to be like, this is, this is South Carolina, you know, uh, and wow, we have two, two African-American uh, senators um, that, that they would have spoke volumes about um, where the South is going, where, where it is, the, you know, how things are positioning. Um, and, and these are two guys from the South. It's not like these are transplants. These right. are, you know, two people from that, you know, from the area, truly from the South, uh, which yeah. would have been, that would have been pretty interesting to see. You never know, you know, in what, six years, when they, whenever it is that they, when those seats are, I think they, do they have six year terms or four year? It's six year terms and, and it's done staggered. So Tim Scott should be up for reelection in three years. And gotcha. then it makes sense, you know, you don't want two new senators coming in at the same time. Absolutely. So that all makes sense. But, you know, you make a great point about the South and, and the South gets such a bad rap about being a very you know, racially divided area of the country. And, and, and um, you know, the history of the South is what it is. And, and you know, you, you don't need, we don't need to gloss over that. We know what that is. But, yep. right, I think it shows that the South is a lot further along, I think, than we get credit for. And, and we're a lot, um, the, 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 the reputation that I think that we have over the over the course of history is not the South that we are today. Um, gotcha. We have come a long way, and you're right that that would have been really incredible for just, just from a it just sends it just it just, it, it, it to me um, it 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 sort of confirms that that we've done a lot of good things in in, in the past you know sixty years if not and, and more. Um, to really make this an inclusive place, yeah, where everybody has that. Yeah, and, I, and and like I say, I think it would have been a, a kind of a, a beacon of hope, even in the country, because uh, you know, to with all this going on, even with the way this election is is playing out, uh, it would have been that somewhat that beacon of hope that people could have been, you know, we could have looked forward to and and you know, tried to kind of navigate our way through uh through some of those things but um but it didn't happen we, we are where we are um I, I will say i think um uh jamie made an impression uh on Lindsay that when Lindsay goes back he's going to think about some things that when he makes some decisions yeah. or when um you know he looks looks back at the state and, and looks at you know maybe some things that need to take place uh for the state or some things that he should be asking or or advocating for it at, at the state level. Um, yeah. I, I do think that, um, that that will happen, which is a good thing um, for sure. You, know, you, you mentioned, I'm gonna touch on something you said, if you don't mind real quick. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Beacon of Hope. And um, I remember probably about 
three months ago, I believe it was, I was listening to U2X radio on Sirius Satellite Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, station is dedicated to, to the band U2, who, who since I was 10 years old has been my life, you know, one of my favorite bands for my entire life. Um, but what was really moving to me was they were talking about their song Beautiful Day and, and what that has meant to so many people, especially post 9-11, um, mm-hmm. but what that has been is, is a song of hope for so many people. And, and what was happening is a lot of other artists uh, nationally and internationally were talking about how much that song is meant to them as, as a song of hope. Um, and then at the end, uh, the front man for YouTube, Bono, came in and he was talking about it. He said, he said, what's really interesting in America right now with all the social unrest, um, the, the political unrest and COVID is that the world sees the United States of America as a beacon of hope. Uh, they see it as the land of opportunity. They, they see it as, as a place where if I can't get it where I am now, then, then I can go to America and I'm going to have opportunity. And there's going to, there, there's going to be a way for me to, to find success that I cannot find wherever it is that that person may be. And he talked about how the whole world is watching us right now and the whole mm-hmm. watching to see how we respond to everything that is going on in America currently, especially in 2020. Um, and they're watching to see how we, re- we respond. And um, it, it just really struck with me that, that folks see us as a beacon of hope. They see us as a beacon of opportunity. They see us as a better way of life. And, um, you know, in some ways it's like, man, we really are fumbling the ball right now. I mean, we're, we're not letting ourselves down, but it's almost like we're letting the world down right now. Um, but, but again, it also really reemphasizes to me how important it is for us to come together and no matter what happens with this, this election, we've got to come together. We've got to put aside our political differences, uh, where family members don't talk to family members because they may support somebody. I mean, I have a family member who's like that, um, who has basically, you know, cut me off and, um, and, you and what's think, interesting, I think he, that person doesn't even really know who you support. They just yeah. make it more sort of an assumption. Right, right. And and that's, you know, it's hard because it's, 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 yeah. this is, in you know, we were, you made kind of a biblical reference to this a few minutes ago. And, and, you know, you hear, and from a biblical standpoint, you hear a conversation about the enemy. Mm-hmm. And when you start having anxious thoughts or you start having negative thoughts or you start thinking poorly or badly about, about other people or even about yourself, it, it's, it's the voice of the enemy and how you've got to push this. You've, you've got to tell the enemy, no, you've got to push the enemy out of your head. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to, you know, you, you pray or yep. you tell the enemy, Hey, not today, bud. Yep. Uh, and, and I really see right now, it, as I sat last night and watched what was going on, I kept trying to turn the TV off and I kept trying to not watch it. Gotcha. And, uh, I finally turned it over to Kim Burns baseball and watched, uh, you know, something maybe that was a little more, made me feel better about America than the <laughs> process. Um, but, but again, it, it reminded me that um, politics right now in a lot of ways is almost like the enemy and, yep. uh, and, and it, it spews up anger. It spews up frustration and, and it makes you want to call up your family member who, who, you know, you know, it could be your mother, your your father, your wife, your brother, 
And it doesn't matter what they think or what they believe, because you, you and I both have members of our family who, who think differently politically than, than we do. But it's, it's like you want to call up because that's your family and those are your people. And you want to call up and just, just vent to them and unload how frustrated you may be with what you're seeing. Or it could be how happy you are with what you're seeing. And we just lost the fact that, that no matter what happens in an election, 49% of the people um, are going to lose. And there's a loser and there's going to be a winner. And the worst thing we could do as the winner, if we're on the winning side, is to rub that into the loser's face. And the worst thing we can do as a loser is be bitter about it and to rub it into the winner's face, how angry we are about it. And, you know, in, in baseball, in, in all sports, um, when the game's over, we all shake hands. That's it. And yep. it's it just – it. I don't know. It, it, it's like the enemy is, is trying to trying to creep into everything that 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 we're doing with politics right now. And this is where we really got to be strong and we've got to stand up and fight back and, and realize that this is this is this is it's a game. And, and, and at the end of it, once the winners decided, we shake hands and we go back to being buddies and being friends and being good family members. That's it. And I'm, I'm hoping that that's what happens in and prayerful in that. And, you know, my. Um, my dad always leads with um, with the scripture of be anxious for nothing, but in all things, prayer, supplication and thanksgiving. And we are as a nation. That's how we should be, man. We shouldn't be anxious for anything. But can you I mean, we should just be thankful for all that we have. And it goes back to what you're saying. Even through all of this, other countries are looking at us as a beacon of hope. Mm hmm. And then we, us being here, we're thinking, well, I'm not sure you should really be looking at us. I'm thinking of hope because we're still trying to, <laughs> we're still trying to get it together. But uh, you know, uh, totally, totally understand, uh, understand where you're going with that one for sure. And well, you know what time it is, man. You got to tee it up. How you want to close it uh -huh. out? I, I'm, I'm gonna push it to you, and whatever you want to do, do your thing, man. Okay. Uh, let's see. So I, I made these notes um, a couple of days ago, but I was thinking about, this was prior to the election. Um, just kind of making these notes about my thoughts and where I, where I hoped we would be after the election, no matter what. Um, and so I'm just, I'm gonna read you what I, what I typed here. This is uh, so bottom line, as we head into tomorrow, my plea with us, uh, my plea with us all is that we remember there should be no us versus them, only us. We have to remember that we need to celebrate our differences and within those differences is where we find the best of us. And without a doubt, we are always better together. Absolutely, man. Uh, no, that's perfect. And I mean, I agree with you 100%. Um, we are better together. Um, we, we, are, we are, we have to celebrate who we are and, and, and embrace our differences. And, and continue to push and celebrate diversity and just understand um, through it all, as my cousin says, he has a um, uh, kind of like a minor league football team and, and you know, there, uh, his big mantra is we're all we got. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's it. We're each other's brother, we are brother's keepers, we are sister's keeper no matter what, it doesn't matter where you live at in, in the nation, um, you know, who your parents are, who your parents were. Um, at the end of the day, we're, neighbor has to help neighbor in some way, shape or form. Either, either you're helping them or you're hindering them. Um, and, and I'm all about making sure that we help them. And, um, and you know, no matter what happens here, um, uh, 
it's going to be interesting. They'll continue to count the votes. We'll continue to have um, uh, lawsuits and those things. And, and that's what should be done. It, it, no matter what side, it, that's what would happen. Uh, that's why we have those things in place. Let's let those things play out um, the way they're going to play out. And then whoever comes out the winner, um, let's hopefully find a way to uh, come together. We can agree to disagree. We can, you know, hold that person accountable when, when they get in office um, um, to some of the things that they said they were going to do or some of the things that we felt that the other person was doing uh, pretty good. We can find, we should be able to find ways that to, to express that and, and help them understand that as well. And um, families and friends can't let um, this simple politics and people we don't even know. I mean, it's not like we, like you said, we don't go around shaking hands with, with Donald Trump and or Joe Biden. I mean, we yeah. don't know them. We don't see him every day. We don't interact with them. Um, you know, they, they're individuals that uh, we're hoping can lead the nation uh, for the time that they are elected to lead it, whether it be four years, eight years or whatever. But um, I'm hoping we can have some healing. We need some healing across the land. Um, yeah. And hopefully after uh, all is said and done, particularly with this election, we can, we can have that healing. And uh, man, I appreciate you as always coming on and having this conversation. Um, as well, gonna, thank you. Yeah, we're gonna move forward. We're gonna do something. Um, I'm trying to think of something. Let's do something different. Let's get off of politics for a minute and do something, do something a little different on our next one. I'm trying to, you, whatever you you think about, let me know. But I'm, I'm thinking maybe we talk music. Maybe we talk. Uh, I don't know. We'll come up with something. Maybe we talk business. Yeah, that'd be fun. Let's yeah, do it. Let's let, let's do something. Let's let's lighten it up a little bit so that yeah. people can understand. You know, uh, life itself isn't all about politics. In, in fact, it's very no. it's a very small portion of it to be honest with you it is uh, particularly at the federal level we should definitely do that and uh you know the way we leave this uh these conversations each and every time you know we want to faith forward with grace mercy and love uh god bless everyone everyone have a great great evening